This is Art House Roadshow, a podcast on film, faith, and mental health with your hosts, Kyle Myers and Hank Spaulding. Welcome back, movie nerds, for another Art House Roadshow movie review. But today we have a special movie review and one that I was not planning on doing. Um, the movie in question I was, I, I said on our last podcast when we covered Hunger, which is up now on... Um, our feed or wherever you get your podcasts, such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts, um, on Hunger. I said last time that I wanted to do a review of Uncharted, um, but what I wasn't expecting is that I would get to see the movie Uncharted at the Chinese, uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater in Los Angeles. So I will do a kind of different thing where I will actually cover or give a review of the theater itself um, and just kind of my reactions to it. Um, that I think that are, are important for our work here today. And so, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's a good, uh, good little review show that I got here for you today. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, wanted to, before we get started, just welcome everyone back to the podcast. Um, I know that we just had one, had a major episode last week. It's just me today here. Uh, Kyle, uh, is off doing his thing on a break from work. Uh, and so I wanted to drop this, um, uh, review while I, I had the chance and while it was fresh in my mind because I <clears throat> I myself just got back from a trip to LA and was able to get over to the uh, to Grauman's uh, Chinese theater um, to see Uncharted um, and kind of look around uh, the, the Hollywood Walk of Fame and 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 also Grauman's itself um, but before we get started I do want to remind everyone that if you want to support um, the uh, the podcast the best way to do so um, is to leave a review um, wherever you watch us or listen to us. Um, uh, th- that's a great way for uh, other people to find us on Apple Podcasts, for example, um, but also a great way for um, you know you to show your love to us and what we do here at the podcast. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, let's just dive in, shall we? Um, and... Uh, Let's uh, let's just like start from just kind of my uh, like historical kind of like because I, I don't know if, if you have uh, you listening know um, the uh, the history behind um, um, history behind uh, the Grauman's uh, Chinese theater. So I just want to make sure um, that you have uh, that you have a. Uh, like a little bit of a knowledge here of what have what it is. Um, the Grauman's Chinese Theater is uh, was opened in uh, May eighteenth of nineteen twenty seven. Um, the uh, the person who the theater is named after Grauman is actually the person who 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 uh, designed it. He didn't own it or pay for it all himself. He had partners. He had like a one third share of the theater. But um, it opened yeah May eighteenth nineteen twenty seven. Um, he actually built an Egyptian theater in downtown L A. Um, and he wanted to, for some reason, create these big theatrical experiences, uh, that included, um, architecture from other cultures. And so the one that, uh, he built here, um, was the, uh, basically the, uh, the Chinese equivalent. He actually imported, um, Chinese, um, uh, like stone and bells and, and, 
um, architectural materials from China, which he had to get permission from uh, in the 20s to do. And, and uh, yeah, the first movie that ever showed there, uh, which is on the opening of May 18th, 1927, was a silent film um, called King of Kings, um, which uh, the, the King of Kings was um, uh, a wonderful um, depiction of the life of Jesus, like in the, le like the weeks leading up to his death um and scriptures and so it was actually preceded by like a live show that was um uh hosted by Grauman himself uh called the glory of the scriptures and so i think it was interesting that the uh the very first film to show there and Grauman's, i guess interest there and you can do some research on Grauman and and, and uh hear about his his own faith background but um was very uh, steeped in, in in christian ideas Right, the the building took about two million dollars to make, um, which is a lot today, and it's a lot back then too. So uh, um, it's really interesting to see uh, like that um, element go into it. Um, now it's interesting that it was um, it was declared a historic landmark um, in nineteen sixty eight. Um, but in 2001, they actually built, and that's, that's relatively recent. Um, if you think about it, like the, the whole idea of, um, the, uh, uh, like the, the idea that there's just that one theater showing like one show. Cause I mean, the whole idea of this theater is that, um, like when it opened, for example, 1927, there's a riot on Hollywood Boulevard, which is where it's located with all the people trying to see all the celebrities coming to watch this film. And um, it's kind of been a hallmark ever since that whenever there's a big movie premiere, it would be done at the at Grauman's uh, Theater. And so uh, it's interesting to see um, uh, it's interesting to see like what um, those movies um, I mean what this theater has been like to a lot of people. I mean, for example, like Star Wars premieres um, have have held have been here. I mean, every major movie premiere, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. I mean, all of these major movies have been at the uh, the Grauman's uh, Theater. And so it's it's got this history of being this place where movies are premiered and celebrities able to go see it. So, for example, when I was there, um, there was a private event. And I am decently sure, if I, like, if I had to bet money, I would say that this was 100% the Batman, which comes out next weekend. Little plug for the podcast. Um, I will be giving a spoiler-free movie review on Tuesday because I just, for whatever reason, um, an opportunity landed in my lap to see the movie early, um, and I am going to go do that. And um, <clears throat> on and on next week, the week after the following week, I will give a spoiler-heavy review of uh, the Batman. And so uh, look for that if that's something you're interested in. If you're um, worried about spoilers, know that. The one on Tuesday uh, night will be free of spoilers so that you can, if you're still on the fence about whether you want to see the movie, you can see it. But anyway, all these, I, I assumed that the private event, and I don't know if there are celebrities there or not, um, when I first came to the theater, um, uh, whether or not that, that was like, they had celebrities in there, but it was a private event and I'd be willing to bet money it was um, the Batman. And so it's interesting. Uh, now, one thing, that, another thing that the Chinese theater is known for are kind of the handprints in cement. Now, these are distinct, and I want to make a distinction here um, between um, 
two things. First, there's the Walk of Fame that's on Hollywood Boulevard. You know, the stars with a person's name on it, uh, which, you know, a celebrity could be for TV, film, um, movies, uh, radio, uh, things like that. Um, so there's this, this Walk of Fame that's all up and down Hollywood Boulevard, right? Um, now, uh, that is different than the handprints in the cement, which is exclusively a part of the kind of the courtyard of Grauman's Chinese Theater. Um, now, there's all kinds of celebrities that have done handprints. Not everyone has their handprints right there in front of the theater. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, for example, like one of the groups uh, that I was looking for myself <clears throat> was uh, the Power Rangers, um, which is really fun. Um, because when they premiered their movie in 95, um, the entire team did handprints in the cement. Um, and so I thought that they would be there or still be there maybe, but, um, I mean, all the people to get their handprints in the cement, it's not, um, something that you can just always like count on it remaining there. So I have no idea where their handprints went, but they weren't there. Um, but there were lots of other cool handprints in the cement there. Um, obviously they have the classic ones that will be there forever, like Marilyn Monroe, um, Jack Nicholson, you know, people like that. Um, but they had like the Avengers, which I thought was really cool and the Hunger Games, which was really cool. Uh, so it was really cool to be there. And I mean, uh, just to kind of take a step back and talk about personal stuff here, like I have loved movies my entire life. And one of my big bucket list goals was to go to Grauman's theater. Now I didn't get to go into the main theater because like I said, the, um, there was a private showing there and they actually had the courtyard closed off. I went back a couple nights later um, and I missed the last show that was going to be in, in Grauman's. And so I had to, I had to go to one of the side theaters. Now, one thing you may not know is that in Grauman's Chinese Theater, there's the big kind of like 1,000 seats um, premiere hall. And then there's six screens in addition to that kind of on the side of it. Um, that actually was uh, constructed relatively recent. It was actually in 2001. They built those side theaters um, so that people could, you know, come to the Chinese Theater um, and have more of an opportunity to see a movie there. Um, and so I saw actually one of, uh, one of the films there. Now, I still have a plan to go back, but I still consider this to be a lot of fun. And I went there, and I feel like I checked off a big thing on my bucket list uh, to go to Grauman's. But still have that item to see one in the main theater, but I had a blast in that side theater. Um, now, in, uh, it, recently, um, within the last uh, 20 years, uh, the Grauman's Chinese Theater switched ownership to uh, TCL which is a Chinese electronic company and a kind of partnership to renovate and revitalize um, the theater. Um, and so it was just cool for me to go and be there and at this place where so many historic movies have premiered. You know, this is, this is huge because if you're a movie person, um, there's nothing quite like being a part of movie history or experiencing a part of movie history, which is that theater. I mean, even for me, um, I talk frequently about Marvel movies and how much I love them. I mean, Iron Man 3 was shot at uh, Grauman's. And so it's so cool to see um, exactly like that courtyard, that famous um, pagoda and the, the archways and just everything about it. And so there's still stuff to be seen, you know. Um, you don't want to get everything done at once. And so I, I plan on going back hopefully in the next couple of years to see a movie in the in the big IMAX um, premiere hall because I know that would be 
uh, truly a blast um, to do that. But like I said, I had a blast on this trip, just being there, seeing the handprints. You know, I, I think like everyone else, putting my hands in the in the cement next to some of my favorite celebrities and things like that. That was that was uh, really fun. Now, uh, I said I was going to distinguish between uh, this. The Walk of Fame, like I said, are the stars that line Hollywood Boulevard. The hands in the cement are ones that just happen in the courtyard of the famous celebrities. Now, the first person to get a star on the Walk of Fame was Joanne Under uh, Woodward. Uh, but the first person to actually technically um, get their uh, hands or feet, because sometimes you'll see feet prints in there. So, for example, like inside of the uh, smaller theater, the... Um, that I went to, there's a little display of the, the Grauman's, like, cement, um, thing, and there's, uh, Patrick Stewart's shoes that he, he bought, I'm assuming, just to do this, because they're actually still there, um, and you can see the, the, not only the cement block that he put his hands and feet on, but the shoes that he used to do that, and so, that's a, a huge thing, but the first person to do it was this woman named, uh, Nora... Um, Talmadge in 1927. It was actually an accident. There was still some cement um, squares that were needing to dry, and she was a celebrity and accidentally uh, put her heel in the cement. Now, Grauman, when he saw this, he had this great idea to actually do this for real. And so, unofficially, it's Talmadge who puts her uh, first kind of like handprints and footprints in the cement, um, but the actual first official group was uh, at the time the Hollywood It couple. Mary and Douglas Fairbanks. Um, so if you know anything about uh, the early 20s, because uh, this was also 1927, um, or the 20s, the early, early 20th century, and the celebrity couples, then you should know those names. But um, And since then, it's kind of gone on to be like a, a rite of, of passage, like getting, um, like for example, if you're a country music star playing in the Grand Old Opry, is kind of like one of those milestones. Um, in terms of being a celebrity, getting uh, your hands uh, is cemented um, in front of Chinese theater, in front of the Grauman's Chinese Theater, um, is kind of a rite of passage. Getting your own star on the Walk of Fame um, is really uh, a rite of passage in that. So anyway, um, the uh, it was a great it was a great experience. Uh, all that to say, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think that it, it was beautiful. Um, it was breathtaking. It's something I'd only ever seen pictures of or videos of or things like that. I've never been there. And so uh, if you're a movie person and in L.A., I would highly recommend um, making a trip out. And so that's my review of the theater. Uh, it's kind of different here. Now, the movie itself, Uncharted, is really funny. It's, uh, you know, I, I saw this. Um, I, I was at this big theater, and then I uh, I went and saw this um it was fine, uh, this movie uh, that I wasn't uh, super excited about. Um, I'd actually already watched it. I watched it on the premiere night. Um, and so I actually watched this for a second time there just because the people I, I was with, that, that was the movie that they wanted to see. And so I was happy to watch it again. Um, I could see movies over and over and over again um, without a problem. I've seen uh, a lot of movies in theaters multiple times. Um, I'll see Batman multiple times. I saw Spider-Man multiple times. Um, anyway, so on and so forth. But um, it, was a, it was a fine movie. Like, it really didn't have a ton of substance to it. Um, for those of you who know, um, Uncharted uh, stars Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. And it is based off a very popular video game series. I think Sony is wanting to launch kind of a video game universe, at least as kind of like the opening credits for 
the movie suggests they showed a lot of their famous properties, one of which was Uncharted, the subject of this movie. Uh, and then also you see things like the God, like God of War, um, uh, The Last of Us, which will actually be an HBO Max series, or, or I think it's HBO Max. Um, it's going to be some series. They've already um, uh, cast uh, the main characters in that. One was Pedro Pascal, which you would know from The Mandalorian. Um, and so... I don't know um, if that's true, but it seems like that's that might be the route that they're going uh, because I've never seen that um, opening before. But um, this is based off a very popular video game. Uh, I played it uh, a long time ago. I, I never finished it. It's not because it wasn't good. It's a very good game. I mean, lots of people played it and really enjoyed it. It's kind of this action-adventure game about finding treasure and exploring and um, kind of exploring the back uh, story of the main character um, named Nate Drake. Um, or Nathan Drake, um, if you are uh, so inclined. Um, but yeah, it's a good action movie. If you like action movies, this is this is the one for you. Um, not a whole lot of thought to it. Uh, just kind of uh, action sequences, lots of fun um, dialogue, and and kind of a cool um, kind of mystery um, adventure film, right? So if you would have liked. Uh, it's like National Treasure combined with Fast and the Furious <laughs> in some kind of sense. And so um, if you like either of those films, you'll like this. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, it's interesting because a lot of um, film critics or, or people who watch kind of like how films do, um, they, they were wondering whether or not Uncharted would get the No Way Home bump. Of course, No Way Home is uh, the Spider-Man movie that came out um, at the end of last year um, in December. And Tom Holland, who's the star of this film, uh, is also the one who plays Spider-Man. Hopefully you know that. If you haven't, uh, if you didn't know that, um, you're probably living under a rock. And welcome to the podcast uh, as your first adventure out. Um, but anyway, they were wondering whether or not it would get a bump in terms of people coming to see it. Since um, Tom Holland was in Spider-Man, and he's also in this one. And in some sense, it did. It didn't do Spider-Man No Way Home numbers. like So this didn't draw in billions of dollars so the premiere was not nearly as um as uh, memorable as as this one and so as that one so uh it, it still though did get a little bit of a bump it did better than some critics thought it would um and i do think that is in some ways connected to the success of spider-man no way home um but anyway um the movie is basically uh like i said there's in this this kind of podcast, you know that when we review, we don't just review with plot. We try and go into something deep. There's not a ton of substance here. That doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just that some some of us, um, you know, look for a little bit more of that when we go see movies. Um, but it was a great, I think, action movie. And it has some good, I, I think, one good uh, element to it that I'll get here in a second. But the basic storyline is this. It, it's, it's a story surrounding... Um, these uh, two brothers, Nathan and Sam Drake, um, and they are, as kids, as it begins the movie, dreaming about finding the lost treasure of Magellan, um, who was believed to have uh, been given a uh, commission from uh, the Moncada uh, family to find some treasure and bring it back to them, but, you know, as legend goes... In the film, um, they did not, and they decided to um, hide the treasure in Barcelona, um, and Magellan famously died in the Philippines. And so, 
anyway, it's it's kind of like a treasure hunting thing. I mean, if you were ever a kid and you uh, ever got like one of those like uh, young explorer kits and and uh, tried to find buried treasure and you know uh, have that kind of like uh, desire. I mean, I think this was probably more of a desire of maybe like a couple generations past, but nonetheless, I mean, Indiana Jones, for example, big uh, inspiration on many, um, but. Yeah, so the film is really about Nathan Drake um, uh, trying to find this treasure because he and his brother get separated early on in the movie, and in some sense he's doing it to try and find his brother, and you know all this kind of stuff. And so it's it's a story about family, for that matter. Um, and uh, but it's also the, kind of one of the big things, and this is the kind of substantial thing that I wanted to offer is that it's also a story about greed which is a vice, um, and it's a vice in kind of contrast to its virtue, which it's paired with as prudence. Um, now, like I said, the, this is a story about treasure finding, and so you can imagine that greed would be a huge um, issue in, in a movie about treasure. And it's interesting because Moncada, who is uh, the younger Moncada that we see in this movie, is played by Antonio Banderas, um, whom one of the people I was with did not know who Antonio Banderas was, which hurt my heart. Uh, I, I love Antonio Banderas. I think I've loved him ever since I saw the very first Zorro movie that he was in. Um, and also, you know, just all these under Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I mean, he's such a excellent um, actor. I'm just sad <laughs> about that. But anyway, um, maybe I'm getting old. Maybe that's it. But he plays a younger of the Mokata. His dad is a, is a rich kind of elderly statesman. This is the legacy of the family of that were supposedly gave Magellan the commission to find the treasure, and it was never given to them. And so generations of their family have uh, died in vain trying to find this treasure so as to reclaim it and restore glory to their household. What's interesting is that the father, the guy who plays um, Antonio Banderas's dad, decides he wants to dissolve his wealth and give it away to uh, the poor and the needy because he realizes the Mokata name has just been... Um, uh, like like covered in blood, trying to find this treasure, trying to reclaim what was lost. I mean, it's not uh, a great look to say that throughout history we've been these monsters that have been searching for treasure and gold and things like that. So anyway, um, one of those things, and in some sense, like when it comes to greed, right, the father of Antonio Banderas, um, he's recognizing the family's greed and what it has done to them. And he wants to do something good with the money. And he sees in his son, Antonio Banderas, the same kind of bloodlust that uh, consumed his family before him. And so he decided he's going to cut him off. He's going to give away all his money. And, and uh, Antonio Banderas will be left with nothing. Um, Antonio Banderas actually ends up killing uh, his, his father in order to claim the fortune before his father can give it away. Um, and it's interesting because, like I said... Uh, prudence is kind of the opposite virtue of greed uh, greed about kind of accumulating what all, all massive amounts of wealth prudence is about kind of living simply planning well so that one could live um, a life where one has all that one needs um, but does not exceed that one is kind of um, strict and uh, resourceful and everything that one doesn't need in excess is given away which is the opposite of greed greed just wants the excess um, but it's interesting, greed here actually strikes against another virtue, namely the virtue of fidelity, um, which uh, philosophically, theologically, fidelity has been the virtue that encourages us to have close, intimate partnerships 
with people that we love. And so, you know, the fidelity that he could have with his father, for example, is interrupted by his own desire for greed. And so vices and sin itself really challenge our ability to have those close personal relationships. And you see that no, no better than in a place in Moncada. Now, what's interesting is that um, he's not the only character who struggles with greed. I think the only one who really doesn't is Nathan Drake. Um, Nathan Drake, like I said, exhibits the virtue of fidelity because his sole motivation throughout the entire film is to find his brother. Um, and in fact, uh, Sully, who's played by um, uh, Mark Wahlberg, and they have such great chemistry, um, Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg, I think they're fantastic together. Uh, Sully actually lures um, Nathan Drake, you know, Sully played by Mark Wahlberg, Nathan Drake played by um, Tom Holland. Uh, he Sully um, lures him in under the presupposition that he is going to help Nathan find his brother. And so uh, he naturally agrees, uh, does Nathan Drake, to do that. And, um, and he goes along with it. But Sully, um, all the while, knows that his brother was killed by another of the main kind of um, characters of the film, uh, a woman uh, by the name of Braddock, um, who uh, is, is hunting on behalf of Moncada for this uh, uh, gold. And so, uh, yes, but Sully is a very interesting character because he, like Moncada, wants to find the treasure and become rich, right? And so it's, it's, fa it's fascinating to see kind of his struggle there because he actually... and they allude to this several times in the treasure hunting business. There are no one is friends. You can't trust anybody. Um, and so again, it, you can't be friends with someone if you're trying to constantly stab them in the back and take the gold that they're looking for. And so again, greed moves us against fidelity. Now it's interesting is that Sully wrestles with this rather, not openly, but um, you can see kind of the conflict as he becomes more affectionate towards Nathan Drake, um, kind of taking him under his wing, loving him, that kind of thing. Um, and in the end, ultimately, uh, Sully's given a choice between the gold um, and the uh, um, person... Oh, sorry, he's, he's given a choice between the gold and um, Nathan Drake, and he chooses Nathan Drake. And so, in some sense, he actually illustrates a good uh, kind of um, image of looking at, like, okay, this is what it looks like to... Um, to start to be formed and shaped by the virtue of prudence um, and fidelity, for that matter. Um, I mean, Sully probably never finally overcomes his lust for gold, but he is getting there um, through simple acts that kind of change one's disposition. The virtue, remember, virtues we've talked about in this podcast before, um, occur through the uh, cultivation of certain habits. That's how Aristotle saw it. A little bit different than how people like Plato and, and um, uh, Jonathan Edwards saw it. Um, but according to Aristotle, you kind of acquire virtue through this habitual disposition towards certain actions over against others. And so um, he takes that first step to developing new habits by choosing Nathan Drake over the gold um, at a very crucial part of his uh, journey. Now, there's another character, which, I, I, again, I think is really great. Her name's Chloe, and she's kind of the third member of um, the group for a while with Mark Wahlberg Sully and Tom Holland's Nathan Drake. Um, and so, you know, there's there's kind of some romantic tension between Nathan Drake and her, and, you know, there are times when she saves his life, he saves her life, but ultimately she double-crosses them twice. 
Uh, she admits that when she was a kid, like she got into um, exploring because she found this old statue covered covered in gems, and gave it to her father, and her father um, sold it for a lot of money, and then left her and her mother at an early age. So that kind of like disposed her towards thinking that anybody who's after treasure um, themselves are in it for the money. And she herself, you know, eventually becomes that person in, in a certain way. She becomes that which what she hates because she can't trust anybody. She can't develop meaningful relationships because she's always wanting to avoid being hurt again, controlling that relationship, and thus um, moving herself towards self-sufficiency. And so she finally does not overcome greed in the way that Sully does. Um, in fact, there's this really great scene where Tom Holland finds the next clue to finding the treasure. And he has been double-crossed by Chloe once already, and so he decides to leave her um, a test um, to see if she'll double-cross him again, and she fails the test, and and, um, and so Tom Holland goes off on his own and does that. And so it's, it's really interesting to see that, like, one of the central virtues here um, is fidelity um, contrasted with greed. Uh, there isn't as much with prudence. There's no, really no great critique of wealth in and of itself, other than just like Mankato being this like evil monster kind of person and being a wealthy person. But there's no like real nuanced uh, development of critique of um, of wealth. Um, now there's one Easter egg that I think is really fun. Um, when there's a scene where uh, Nathan Drake and Chloe fall out of a plane, they land in the ocean um, due to some very fun sky acrobatics, uh, which I, I do admit is very fun. Um, and they kind of like wash up on the beach of a resort and there's a guy sitting in a beach chair and they have a, almost an awkward interaction with them. And they're like, well, uh, how'd you, what happened to you guys? Uh, this, this person in the beach chair says to, um, uh, Nathan, Drake and Chloe. And they say, well, I, I fell out of a, I got hit by a car and fell out of a plane. Um, and the guy in the beach chair says, yeah, something like that happened to me once. Um, and Chloe and Nathan Drake kind of just look at each other kind of curiously and they move on. The person in that beach chair is actually the guy who voices over Nathan Drake in the video game. And so it's a fun little Easter egg because, you know, he's been through all the adventures that the Tom Holland Nathan Drake has been through. Um, and uh, it, anyway, it was just kind of a fun little thing. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Again, good little movie. I think it is worth seeing. Um, it is not as good as some of the other films we will cover here. Like, for example, I loved Spider-Man a lot more than, than this one. And so, um, you could probably wait. Don't go out of your way to see it if you're not super interested in, but I think it's worth a watch. I think it's a fun little movie just to pass the time. And so, yeah, that's, uh, about all we got here today. Um, thank you for, uh, being a part of our review of, of Grauman's Theater. Um, uh, like I said, I didn't get to, um, be in the main theater, but I, I, I will hopefully in the next year. And when I do, I'll drop a, a review of the inside of the theater here as well. Um, what's interesting, uh, just one little note before we, uh, before we go, I was in a 4D theater, which is an interesting experience in and of itself, wherein, uh, not only do you, um, move and shake with the, uh, the film that happens on the, uh, like your chair moves, like if the character's moving, um, if he falls, you kind of get a, a shot in the back. If there's gunfire, there's like loud, there's flashes. If, uh, there's water, you get sprayed with water. You know, it's, it's a very interesting thing to be next to this historic landmark and have kind of this, uh, theme park type theater. And it's, it was just an experience. I wanted to try it. I've never done anything like that before. And, uh, it was interesting. Uh, it didn't really enhance the movie at all for me, but, um, it was interesting, but anyway, 
Uh, yeah, that's about all we got. Remember to leave a review of uh, the podcast if you want to help us out wherever you uh, listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or of course here on Podbean. Um, but we will be back soon. Uh, like I said, next week I will give you a review, spoiler-free, of uh, The Batman. And then the following week I will give you a spoiler-heavy review. Uh, we will be back on the podcast to cover Terrence Malick during the season of Lent, which starts this week. Um, and uh, you can look for our following podcasts on um, Beast of No Nation um, and a few others coming here soon but uh feel free to email us um or contact us our our twitter handles are uh, kyle's at cinema 1978 mine's uh, duke 13 theo um you can contact us on our main uh uh, twitter handle the art house road um or contact us in gmail and so hopefully uh we'll hear from you what do you want to hear us cover uh we we love to hear from the fans we'll throw up a poll probably soon on some stuff after we get some of these other projects out of the way but um, please do feel free to reach out to us and let us know your thoughts on anything that we've covered here in the podcast and uh, uh we will look forward to engaging you there all right be well stay safe everyone i take care and have a good day at the movies And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us on Art House Roadshow. We'll see you next time.